What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Beats and Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Antuna. And today, we're going to be talking about COVID in the NBA and NCAA, how this pandemic is going to affect this season. Also, although we're amidst still in the middle of a pandemic, why this season in the NBA may be one of the most historic to date. More into that. Also, is this already the beginning of the end? of Milwaukee's success in the Eastern Conference. More to it, let's get into it right now. We need to discuss on on this this week's episode for the BNB podcast has to be COVID and how it's going to affect the NCAA and the NBA season this year. And we're already seeing extreme cases of, of, of how serious this virus is. So Florida Gators basketball star Keontae Johnson is is in a critical but stable condition after collapsing on the court against Florida State earlier this weekend. Now, Johnson, in his third year playing for the Gators, averaged 14 points and seven boards per game. But aside the stats, you know, aside being SCC preseason player of the year, he collapsed on the floor. And, and thank goodness things are looking better for him. This is very serious. But this should show how serious this virus is even when you test negative, even after getting this virus and going forward after it, the results and the aftermath past this. You know, not, I'm learning about this as we go. I really learned about this after reading this story that the coronavirus can lead to can lead to myocarditis, which is a viral infection of the heart muscle and being as being at its high severity can lead to sudden cardiac arrest. So reeling it back in, my thoughts and prayers go out to, to Johnson and his family and also the Florida staff and, and the Florida State staff because that is traumatizing. But the NBA played in a bubble last year and they were able to conquer something that the MLB, the NFL, any other professional sports organization achieve. A safe COVID-free season. Now, you know, I definitely want down the road, want to have an episode about mental health, specifically being in men and how we don't really open up and and express ourselves and talk about those feelings inside when we're feeling down. We we heard and we've had people discuss about the effects of the bubble. You know, Jalen Brown was really outspoken about that and how it affects him. Paul George expressed how it affects him being inside the bubble, being away from their families. So the bubble is maybe the safest route, but at the cost of what? You know, the, the mental well-being, the mental, the, the loss of mental health with these professional athletes. So going into this season, traveling to different arenas, you know, there is some risk. You know, Tobias Harrison of the, of the, of the 76ers said, quote unquote, I follow what's going on in the world in the cases. It looks like we're headed for another shutdown soon enough. So, I mean, that plays a factor into it, too. I think we have to do our best to follow protocol, keep each other safe, keep the team safe, and just see how it plays out. And to me, it's just, I do see a stoppage happening in the season. I do see a stoppage happening in the season. I do see players getting this virus, you know, and I have to tip my hat out to the NBA because they're listening to the players. They're, 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 that's one thing, the transparency between the NBA, PA, and the NBA, how they're transparent with one another. But to me, even though they're testing twice before they go into practice, 
there's just still a risk going to arenas, going to different arenas. And some arenas are having fans, you know, in San Francisco where the Warriors are playing, you know, I think they're passing a law to have a minimal amount of fans. And I know with this vaccine, things ideally they're saying are supposed to get better. But at the end of the day, what happened to that, that Florida college basketball player should have never happened. You know, be, but you really got to put things in perspective. You know, let's, let's just pack it in. Let's, or actually not pack it in. Take things out and lay them all on the table. With professional athletes, this is their job. This is their careers. This is how they are getting paid. And with collegiate athletes, this is their ticket out. This is their ticket to progress. This is their education we're talking about. You know, these are young men and women that are building the foundation to create a career, whether it's with basketball or not, and to take care of their family, you know? So... To have a season is important to these players, to these organizations, to these businesses, which I understand. But there's just so much to lose in terms of health. So COVID and professional sports, let's just talk basketball. Basketball is a contact sport. In the NBA, we don't play that much defense anymore. But this is a contact sport. So what I'm expecting out of this season is definitely some stoppages. I'm definitely seeing a stoppage if there's a, a, a shutdown, obviously. But I definitely see stoppages, especially in hot zones, hot zone areas. You know, Florida being a hot spot. Um, California with, with, with the weather being so nice, even in the flu season, um, months in the, in the winter, what have you. I do see it happening. And the fact that they proposed and they're following through with 72 games starting December 22nd, 72 regular season games. I don't I do not see all 72 games being played. But moving on. Aside Corona being in our world still and not going away anywhere anytime soon, you know, Jared Dudley, Dad Bod Dudley said, you know, it's the new norm. And I think that's the best way to put it. It is, this thing isn't going away anytime soon. I still believe that this season will be arguably the greatest season of recent memory. And to me, I, I break it down like this. Normally there are lulls, there's gaps, you know, there's eras in basketball. Let's just... I say let's take it back to 19 in, in the 80s. Let's go back to the 80s. You know, we had Philly wing that one championship in the 80s, but it was ran by Boston, Detroit, and the Lakers. And as the faces of the NBA being Isaiah, Bird, Magic, those three teams, as they rode off in the sunset, we had Jordan, of course, Jordan winning his, his six rings. Jordan reigned the 90s. But we have to tip our hats off to, to the Rockets with Hakeem. You know, the Jazz never got over the hump and won a championship, you know, to Hakeem's two and to the Bulls' six in that decade. But they made two finals appearances. And yes, we have to tip our hat off to, to the Knicks. I know they made it to the finals in 1999 where everybody was, or Jordan was out the league. Pippen was gone. Um, he was off to Houston. And it was a different it was a different era. It was a transitional period. But we can mention the Knicks. So 
every decade has an era or group of teams that runs things. You know, we had in the 90s, Jordan's Bulls. We had Hakeem's Knicks, or excuse me, Hakeem's Rockets, Ewing's Knicks, and so forth. We had those, those juggernauts that ran the league. And then let's transition to the 2000s. You know, as so as the 80s, as the players, Bird, Magic, I mean, you could even say Dr. J. He was out of his prime entering the 80s anyways. But as they kind of closed the, the, the book on, on their career, Jordan finally reached his peak. You know, he was in the league. He was drafted in 84, but he was finally in his prime. He reached his peak in terms of athletic ability. I say 1990. That was his apex in athletic ability. And then he runs the league for a bit. There's great teams. There's there's Hakeem Ajawan running it. So just faces of the league. Ajawan, Ewing, Jordan running the 90s. And of course, there's Shaq, there's Kobe in the mid-90s. And I'm not forgetting about the stars. I don't want people neg- me thinking that I'm neglecting the other stars in the 90s. I'm just talking about the elite, the faces of the league. And we transition into the 2000s. And then we have Kobe and Shaq. And then we have Tim Duncan. And we have those two franchises kind of running things for the 2000s. And then as we transition to the 2010s, we have LeBron having nine finals appearances in the rise of the Golden State Warriors and the in, in the dynasty that they have created. So every 10 years, you know, we kind of go into a new era of basketball, new faces running the league. But the reason why this season is so special and it being the beginning of a new decade, I mean, it is 2020 still. The faces that are supposed to be fading aren't going away quite yet. Let's put it like this. Let's say even if Jordan took his hiatus after winning that first three-peat, let's just say he plays 18 seasons. Let's just say that. Let's just say he plays 18 seasons. That means there would be an overlap in where Jordan would be competing in the NBA. Kobe would be competing in the NBA alongside LeBron James. Yes, Kobe Kobe is tapping into his prime, but he's not at the at the top of the mountain yet. Jordan was would be on the decline. Let's just be realistic here. And LeBron would be climbing that mountain and and reaching his prime at that age. And the GOAT debate, I'm not listen, I don't I don't mention those players that have that GOAT debate. But my point is this. LeBron in in year 18 is still the greatest player in the league. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, yes, they're coming back from injury. Yes, Kevin Durant in a preseason game shot 5 of 12. Stephen Curry shot 3 of 10 in their, in their preseason debuts after not playing basketball for quite some time. But they're still competing, and they're still in the top five, although there are fresh faces in the NBA. We're in an era where typically the stars of the past decade will be fading. LeBron's coming off his first his first championship with the Lakers. And to tell you the truth, I believe they're going to go back-to-back this year. The team has gotten better. Their rivals have gotten weaker in the Clippers. And Denver's not ready to take that leap. So I have the Lakers going back-to-back. But here's my point. Kevin Durant is still competing at a high level. Stephen Curry is going to be competing at a high level. They're in the phase of where when people were talking about LeBron doesn't play defense in the regular season... But we knew LeBron was going to turn it on in the finals. 
in the playoffs. That's where Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry are now in terms of their careers. So we have those three. We have those three. And then let's talk about the people between the people that are, I don't want to say their, their chapter's closing, but are still competing at a high level this late in their career. LeBron being the anomaly playing his 18th season. Then there's guys like Kawhi Leonard. Giannis, who is 25, 26 years old. Dominating the league and wanting to be great and getting over the hump and being that guy. I mean, Kawhi's already pr proven that in Toronto. I, I, I target more of that to, to Giannis. So there's that group of people. And then there's the fresh faces of, of what we haven't seen yet. You know, I, Luka's, Luka is an MVP caliber player, but we haven't seen the best of Luka. We haven't seen the best of, of Zion Williamson. That, that was a tease. How, how do you average almost 23 points per game on a minute restriction that efficiently? And then we have John Morant. And then we have the likes of LaMelo Ball. Yes, I've seen that preseason performance, and it's going to be a tough rookie year. But we're in an era where the top, the, the aging elite are not slowing down. The people in, in terms of age description are still competing and still climbing the mountain and not slowing down their growth. And then we have the young guns. We have Luca. We have Zion. We have Ja. Yeah, shout out Trey Young too. But I'm just talking about the people who I think will be elite in that younger bracket. We're in an era where this has never happened before. I can't. Yes, we've had Michael Jordan competing at a high level, dropping 63 against Bird in the 80s in the first round. But this much talent in that age group with LeBron, Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry still, I, I consider still in their primes, especially LeBron and Curry. Yeah, I'm a little questionable on KD, but that's not to him. That's to his injury. So this is why I think this season can be magical. We're in a scenario where we have so much talent for once on both sides. You know, the, the Western Conference has been lopsided for too long now. It, dating back to, you know, people want to make the GOAT debate with LeBron and Jordan. The Eastern Conference sucked when Jordan was on his third 3P. We talk about expansion teams. We talk about how watered down the NBA was during his third 3P. But let's, let's bring it back to right now. The Eastern Conference has talent. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are healthy on the Eastern Conference. The M the oh my goodness. The MVP and defensive player of the year is in the Eastern Conference. Tatum is a top 15 player alongside Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown. And on top of that, I didn't mention the Miami Heat. Now, I didn't mention that Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook play on the same team. And also, hey, Ben Simmons is pretty good. Hey. Joel Embiid's pretty good. And also, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I think Houston's going to torment James Harden and, 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 and piss him off a little bit. But maybe down the road, James Harden might make his way to the Eastern Conference. So the Eastern Conference, we need to put some respect on the Eastern Conference name real quick. So that is why I believe the Eastern Conference is going to be something special this year. And moving on, here's some things to consider while walking into this season. Kyle Kuzma is winning regardless this season. Whether the Lakers, I expect them to win a championship, whether the Lakers win or lose, and here is why. Last year, the narrative of, of the Lakers was that they were a really good team, but they couldn't shoot. 
They expected Kyle Kuzma to fill that gap. He didn't. The Lakers needed a third star. That's what reporters were saying. Kyle Kuzma was given that responsibility to fill. He didn't. He didn't score more than 13 points per game last year and only started nine games. You know, that's more Vogel's call in the starts, but in terms of production, it was a little disappointing. But this is why Kyle Kuzma is in the best position possible. You know, I, I made a, I made a joke last night on Instagram when I seen Taylor Horton Tucker drop 33 points in 41 minutes. Kyle Kuzma balled out too. He had 25 points per game. So Kuzma's minutes are not in danger. Kuzma has nothing to lose now because this team is so deep now with Marcus Saul, Harrell, and Schroeder that they really don't need a third superstar. They really don't. And the Clippers aren't going to be as deep as they were last year. They lost Harrell. There's rumors going around they're most likely going to trade Lou Williams. And Serge Ibaka is their starting center. So the Lakers have the advantage in terms of bench depth. So we witnessed that 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 team last year was enough, considering the circumstances of the bubble, that team was enough to win a championship in the NBA. And they gotten better. So the roles, the role and responsibility of Kuzma is lowered. The expectations are lowered. Lakers fans know that they could get over the hump without having Kuzma as a third star. And especially with more scoring and, and more star power, that's more of a opportunity for Kuzma to just be Kuzma. But when I say on and off the court, Kuzma's winning, here is why. So <laughs> Kuzma gets to the back. Kuzma secured a five-year, $20 million contract with Puma. And that's definitely an upgrade to his $25,000 per year Nike contract he had. And then he has to deal with GOAT. So to me, Kyle Kuzma is winning on the court because he can either be a starter on a really good championship contending Lakers team, be a starter, not a star, a starter. There's a huge gap. Or compete for six man of the year. I believe Kuzma will progress. I know there's a lot of slander. I know the comparisons to Tatum or him being better than Tatum did not age well because Tatum is now a top 15 player in the league now. But Kyle Kuzma is in a winning position. He's securing bags off the court with his endorsements. He's in a good position in LA where he has no responsibility where the game is on the line and he has to take that shot. So Kyle Kuzma is winning. Another thing to consider, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are top five in the league, no questions asked, even though they may not play top five basketball in the regular season. And I made this point a little earlier. Yes, Kevin Durant shot five of 12 from the field. Kevin Durant hasn't played in almost a year and a half. Stephen Curry played one game in March before the shutdown happened after breaking his hand. The way the greats stay great is by preserving their energy. I think the best example has to be LeBron James. For, for years, people talked about LeBron being a horrible defender. I mean, there's clips that show him not playing defense at all. I get it. But maybe there's a method to LeBron's madness. We've seen how LeBron was able to go to nine finals appearances in this past decade alone. Ten in total. Through preserving his body. And this isn't even load management. This isn't load management. This is just knowing when to take off certain plays during the regular season. And I expect Steph and especially Durant at the ages they are, being in their early 30s now, doing that. 
they don't have the, the Stephen Curry is really not an athletic player to begin with or relies on his athleticism and neither is KD they're both outside scorers Kevin Durant has an awesome post game but their outside scoring game is their biggest weapon in my opinion so if you see Kevin Durant struggling I don't want any slander I don't want people considering Luka is better than Kevin Durant because that's not going to happen this year especially with Stephen Curry because this is the year that Steph Curry is going to remind people why the hell he's Steph Curry because when he won his first MVP he won another one after that and that and, and it was unanimous and that was in a time where Kevin Durant was going crazy that was a time where LeBron James was going crazy that was a time where James Harden was absolutely going crazy on the court so Steph Curry is the greatest shooter in the world of all time Kevin Durant one can argue in my opinion he is the greatest scorer to ever touch the basketball he has no flaw on his offensive game at all so if they have a bad night a bad month a bad stretch they are still top five and it has nothing to do with their past it has nothing to do with past accolades or anything it has to do with who they are and their capabilities you know LeBron James doesn't play how he plays in the regular season as he does in the playoffs and then when he goes into the finals it's a different beast and that's what Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry are most likely going to do this season more Kevin Durant because his team's a bit deeper I think the Western Conference is a bit tougher than the East so he may relax a little bit although there's going to be a lot going on in Brooklyn Stephen Curry may have to put more miles in this regular season than Kevin Durant but in terms of preserving their body and not giving MVP performances every night expect that but they're still top five players in the league no questions asked and another thing to consider walking into this NBA season the Milwaukee Bucks aren't going to be as dominant as they once were and that's for multiple reasons but let's just look at the team at first rather than the competition Milwaukee was eighth in bench scoring last season they lost their three biggest offensive threats off the bench in George Hill, Korver, and Ilyasova. You know, letting go of Bledsoe or trading Bledsoe, I should say, and receiving Drew Holiday is an upgrade. I feel like that's a better fit for Giannis considering he can't shoot and hasn't really improved his three-point shot. But now let's look at the competition. The Boston Celtics have upgraded their bench. I know they lost Hayward, but they upgraded their bench. The Brooklyn Nets, whoever whoever comes off the bench, whether it's Karis LeVert or Dinwiddie, they're, they're winning sixth man of the year. I know we talked Kuzma could be in the talks of it. He sure can. But either one of them, if they play a full 72, I mean, yeah, normally 82, but this season 72 games, they have a chance to win sixth man of the year un unanimously, in my opinion. Miami has bench depth like no other team, and they play with more chemistry than any other team in the Eastern Conference. So contending wise, they're in the same position they were, just not as strong. So that's why I'm not taking Milwaukee seriously. And that is all we got for this episode of the Beats and Basketball Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed, make sure to subscribe. I want to shout out to everybody listening, wherever it is, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, or podcast, I should say want to say thank you again. More content coming soon. Stay locked in, guys. Peace.